because we're all looking for something that we've, some fundamentally feel that we've lost. We're all trying to find that and often we try to find it in the arms of somebody else that can make us feel better um, about that feeling of loss and feeling of some part of us that we're trying to rediscover. Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of the You versus You podcast where I talk with members of the Human Council and the Connected Community about how we can expand our minds and record our reality. Hey, Simon, thank you so much for joining me today and David and Kern. So I thought, Simon, we can first talk a little bit about you um, as you're part of the Council since December 2019. Can you give us a short introduction about your life path before you joined? Of course, it's a true pleasure. So. I followed the path of finance for more than 14, 15 years until I resigned last year. So I've been working in investment banking. I studied finance, um, took a job. I, was, I started working during studies. And um, yeah, it, initially it was, was, was kind of very exciting. There was a lot of learning, a lot of uh, like very challenging environment. It was, was high stress, high pressure, a lot of... Mm, responsibilities like from the start on so it was re really fun but then um over over the last years it um stagnated a little bit there was not so much intellectual stimulation anymore also it was not like it kind of like what was like um <laughs> but like also like a, a change in priorities or maybe also like getting to a point where we're um kind of like waking up a little bit now that um main motivation for where I was in life was like achieving, achieving things, but then also like questioning, okay, why do I want to achieve it in the first hand? And, um, it, like initial, initial, um, initial, um, wake up call was when my father died in 2010 from cancer. And that was, like, was kind of like, was questioning everything. You know, like everybody in my family had cancer, has cancer, like almost everybody died from cancer or Alzheimer. So it's kind of like, uh, this was kind of like the, f the first point in my life where I was questioning, like, and also like, uh, like kind of waking up a little bit from the life I have, I have been living. And um, first it was panic. Yeah. Oh, oh man, I, I, I don't want to have like, um, cancer myself. And it seemed like a pretty defined path for me too, because everybody else had cancer. So I was like, wow, like starting to read and uh, research and um, looking at what I possibly could do to not have cancer. And Were you then afraid to die in that moment as well? It was um, horrible in terms of experiencing, for example, how my father died uh, from cancer. And um, it was a very long, slow process. And, um, and that was, I mean, in the end, it was like a really... Um, sad experience but then also it was really a wake-up call and also it was the initiation to work or do something uh, also for the relationship with my parents so um, also like if, if if i go back further in my past i have been like always very very shy and depressed and social phobic even and when my father died that was kind of like the first first time in, in my life that I questioned, like, maybe it's not normal, maybe I can do something to have a better, like, that was when my father started, uh, well, I was diagnosed with cancer, that was like, okay, like, life seems to be short, yeah, like, what, what happens if, 
if he dies and uh, we never like try to fix what there possibly is to fix and um, so when he was diagnosed with cancer there was kind of like already the process to like start looking at the, the the problems or discovering also that maybe it's not normal to just have the situation I was in but maybe I can do something to improve it and uh, the so my father died in January 2010 and the Christmas before it was the first time that I can remember that I had a good time at home and so it was like both like very sad but also really nice because like kind of it was the catalyst to improve the relationship to my parents and but then it was like I, I got obsessed with um, like that like what can I do to improve my health and to 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 not get cancer that was the first step and, like, and what changed in your thought process for the first time that you could really enjoy this christmas so what was really different it was realizing that perception and like it's also what we what, what we are doing now like in a complete different dimension but it was the first first time realizing that basically the way i perceived the world this is my subjective perception and if i perceive my parents not um like in that specific case not not giving me what i wanted that didn't necessarily mean that they that they came from not came from a place of love you know, that they basically was the f like first realization okay they they did their best or they did what they could and and it did not receive me like in, in the way i hoped to receive it and that that was kind of like when it started to realize that um that you're not re reality is very subjective mm -hmm. and and there are tools ways to change the way you see the world and um and that basically it's in your hands also to improve your quality of life but at that time it was like it was like I had no clue. It was just like, okay, there's something like I, I can do something or there's something to improve, but there was no idea how and what like possibly I could do. It was more like getting a glimpse and um and yeah, also like at that time um I went to therapy, like and that was was also kind of being exposed to how you learn modeling your your surrounding, like it's kind of like it was it was more like what was um what made me curious was more like a scientific uh, background explaining okay like there are pathways circuits like activated in your brain they trigger a certain reaction within you and that's basically from your like built upon your past experiences but then that's just because of your past so you can train a new reaction in your mind and, um, and so behavior therapy was it called and um, for example by by um, going into into situations which made you uncomfortable or like you you could kind of rewire your brain that was the first time i ever heard about that um, you really have the power to to um, influence your experience directly. David, can you share with us if you also had a similar experience that you really um, had a wake-up call or experienced a shift in perspective? Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm David, and I'm uh, just like Kern and Simon. I'm one of the partners on, on the human blockchain. And 
So I would say I spent a lot of hours, days, weeks in the water because I, I used to swim um, and we swam competitively. And, you know, one of the, the first times when I started to realize I was only when I was 24, that was on, in the Olympic year 2012. And I had the opportunity, all of us actually at the University of Virginia, we had the opportunity to go see a sports psychologist. And, you know, some people took that offer and they went once a week. And basically, you know, the cool thing was it didn't matter if you had a flu, if you were dead tired from workouts, you could just go there, you sit on the couch and you have a one hour conversation with the sports psychologist. And he, you know, just by talking, I felt like these nuts in that I had, these blocks, they started to go away. One of the things that I used to have was in competition when I was not fully rested. Well, the others weren't fully rested either, but they somehow managed to swim better in these competitions. And when I saw a guy next to me swimming faster in competition, I would think, oh, oh I got to be doing bad. I got to do being bad. And then it started to hurt and I went slower and the time sucked. So I, I could do it well under pressure, but I couldn't do it well um, during the year, which was important as well. And so those knots started to go. And really, I started to perform better, not just in the races, but also in training. And I was like, holy shit, this, this works. But I always was under the impression that it was like he was doing therapy work with me. It felt like he was treating me. He, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really coming from me. I always thought, okay, he can do that with me because he's a professional and all that. And, and so I kind of put it under a rug as, you know, okay, that's, it was available when it was and now it's not anymore. So then I was conditioned into, you know, I was in study finance and I was in America. I was behind in school a little bit because all my like uh, not workmates but my classmates they had internships in new york with the big banks while i was swimming and it's like oh i gotta make money 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 and so that happened you know finance school finance books finance classmates all all, all that like america capitalism conditioning and that's what i thought i needed to do and when i got the opportunity i jumped into banking and then you know as with most people what happened is something bad had to happen and you know, I thought I was doing really well. Everybody loved me, but then my boss didn't promote me two times in a row while other people, Simon will know that we remember that, while other people, you know, left and right were promoted. And I was like, okay. So for some reason, everybody likes me, but still I, because one guy doesn't like me or doesn't appreciate it. So I don't get promoted and I'm stuck and I get angry. And I started to realize that, start, you know, started reading self-development books and I start, you know, this stuff worked. So I did feel better after writing down goals and. So I quit the job. I went to another one, which was amazing compared to that. But still, then another thing happened when, you know, I told you the story when they didn't give a guy after he got his second child, they didn't give him um, a one month unpaid vacation to help at home because the wife was sick. And I was like, okay, it's the same principle. It's not the guy, not my boss, because my boss liked me very much and we got along, but it's the, the bank as a whole that doesn't give a damn about you really. So, and then I quit again. and so. You know, the universe has its funny ways, but when you start looking, you know, the opportunities are always around us. And it's just a question if we can see it. And once we put ourselves in that mindset, we can see it. And, you know, it goes back with Simon. He's had more the from from the cancer. And I remember Simon and I, we talked about, you know, what is good to eat, how much supplements you have to He knew all of this. But in the end, it's like all that empowering belief that we can do it for from within ourselves so i i was looking at it like with my goals and how to channel the energy and then maybe simon was more looking into what to eat and but it's all the same thing and and then basically we met kern <laughs> and and then everything changed after that because kern had the vision and he knew much more 
about it, but it just happened that Simon and I were in that, we're looking for the opportunities and then that one came along. And Kern, when you met Simon and uh, David, can you tell us a little bit about the vision that you had that David mentioned? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I'd had a vision about um, creating something. It was a fully autonomous situation that people could develop their consciousness by training each other across the world um, with a view to interfacing with artificial intelligence in a super creative way. Um, and, uh, that was probably maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, the first time I saw that was when I was at an event with a guy called Richard Bandler who was teaching NLP. And there was about a thousand people in the room and they were all very happy. They were all super motivated. They were all going, we can change the world. And they were learning a process called NLP. And then they all left that particular auditorium and all went out and bought business cards and competed against each other. So it was kind of a hypocrisy, um, a contradiction uh, that I could see at the time and felt that if there was a thousand people in a place that could honestly want to work together, then the world could change, but they had to have a structure and a mechanism to be able to do it. They had to be able to step out of the money trap, which is where everyone is locked in because they, you know, they have to pay the bills um, and they have to basically service the man, which is the pyramidal structure that we're confined in. So once that was it, then started, that was the first idea. And then starting over the years, working through, I started a practice in hypnosis, um, NLP, cognitive behavioral therapy years ago and then started working with the mind and how people were creating their own reality. And there were two identities in people, and there was the core and there was the shell, and pretty well everyone was in the shell trying to react to the life that they were in, and they weren't in a thinking state. They were basically fully on autopilot. And this is difficult for the average, any person to get that they are asleep, and we are all asleep. We're just at different stages of waking up, but everyone will egotistically go, well, I'm, I'm awake, um, and that's really the problem. If there was a core problem, it's we all think we're awake, but we're really asleep wherever we are. And when we take two steps forward from A to B, we think B is all that there is, but there's the rest of the alphabet and the universe to discover. But we keep locking down with where we think we are on the corridor to enlightenment. So really, that's the start. That's the, um, the thing. And you know, over the last 10 years, I guess I've studied social development, personal development, um, consciousness. I moved into consciousness more than anything how the brain works and how we are part of the environment that we're in, how the, everything that we think and how everything that we speak actually creates the world that we're in and we share a reality with all other people within a frequency band. And it's a frequency bandwidth. And only through expanding that bandwidth can we start to really engage with the world as it could be and should be. But it's a constant challenge because we are all infected with a social virus that pulls us back, brings us back down, comes to get us all the time pull us back into the cave so we can't really think in the expansive and creative ways we were designed to do. So it's a difficult journey. It's not easy for anybody, but in the end of the day, it's one that is worthwhile every step of the way. As you mentioned also before, that we're stuck in a system also because of the money trap, because as you say, we have to pay our bills at the end of the month and it's really hard yeah, to see an alternative to a full-time job at a corporate company in most cases. So how do you think can we really break through that? Because that's uh, very hard. Okay, well, the first thing is, is you have to realize that the asset of you is not your CV. It's not your, uh, for example, your training in doing a project manager's role or a chemist or anything like this, because ultimately your whole life is geared around whether someone wants you, not what you want to do. 
and you're trading this thing that you've learned and it wasn't the thing that you were designed to learn at five if you ask your five-year-old self what you were designed to do it's highly unlikely to say what you're doing now uh, really it really is the, the transition from where you are now back to your five-year-old self that was limitless in its creativity and innovative capability it's that that is really the journey that you can then trade and if you learn that journey and you go on it and once you you, you know you've started on it then you can teach other people that journey and in that learning about yourself it's something that's archetypal and if you start to understand it in detail you can train other people in it so then you can stop out, step out of the corporate trap then you can start to work in what's called the collaborative and the co-creative because you shift your mentality from an eye focus working within that pyramidal structure basically about getting as much apples as you can for you and your family and your future around about within that system which is only ever going to give you a certain part of the the pizza um so stepping out and going okay well there's a whole big world here that i could actually start to work and gain a uh, a much better feeling with and a much better collaboration with and that is really what we created with the human blockchain structure it was a way of giving someone a fully autonomous income by actually working with somebody else and training somebody else on a trainer 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 situation uh, it's not pyramidal or um uh, for example multi-level marketing or anything like that it's just simply where you train someone and then mentor them and through that facility by working in the collective you can leverage certain facilities like you can get an income from training someone you get an income from mentoring someone you get an inf income from helping other people achieve their goals as a collective in all sorts of ways so now you don't have to rock up for work anymore now you don't have to worry about as david said someone promoting you to get you somewhere now you don't have to worry about the pressures of what other people think about you now it's all about starting to develop yourself and the more you develop yourself the more you have to trade with another person and help them further along the line and if you can do that then you'll make a considerable income and what it all comes down to is consciousness so uh, simon maybe can you give us an overview of how your image change of consciousness and how you define it since you met kern and david good question so i had some experiences before where it became obvious that this 3d reality here is not all there is so that was not really question but it was more a question okay what's the whole point of this this um existence in a way and and also um like on the one hand and that was also one of the reasons that they resigned ultimately like we can quickly share because that kind of like gives also a bigger picture to what we do so the last years i've been working in banking and um, my wife is from Mexico, she has friends from Venezuela, and the situation there was and still is is uh, quite challenging. And like just before I resigned, I, like the father of a friend died because they had no dialysis bags in the hospital, and he had uh, diabetes, so something which would cost something like ten cents was so ridiculous. Yeah? So he died because it was not existent there, and that was quite emotional because it was like a person we had a direct relation to and was very different to listen to the news from television or newspaper where you read it and i yeah, it's not like it's not it's not my problem it's like somewhere else and i cannot do anything about it yeah? and in that like in that situation it was kind of emotional because um it was a direct friend experiencing this 
And then at the same time, and it was the same week, funnily, there was another article about um, Swiss private banks operating in the Cray, enabling elite, in that case, Venezuelan elite, uh, transferring, bringing billions of money out of the country in the future. Just start reading a little bit. It's quite obvious that it's like, like, maybe not the most not 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 necessarily earned in the most transparent way yeah and and, and that was a kind of like a, um, another aha moment where it was okay i might not be legally responsible but kind of operating in the system being part in this process and kind of supporting the structures which we have on this on this globe which kind of manifest this injustice and uh, this inequality and uh, that was that was um, like a moment which which was quite tough and kind of like made me question everything i did and the part of making decision to resign from that environment without really having a clue what then to do and finally like when i resigned i jumped on the next vehicle to provide certainty achieve something start an own company and to come back to your question, how I would define consciousness, we are all consciousness. It's us. There's um, this perceived separation between you and me is an illusion. And um, that there are moments where, like, basically, you can. Okay. As, as I still, I'm still learning to put this into words. Yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> so basically, we are all consciousness and then you could for example imagine you have a filter between you and what you perceive and this filter generates this illusion of separation and then you can for example use this concept and that becoming more aware becoming more conscious is kind of like removing that filter part for part and like to discover like more of what is see more of what is um understand the world and ever more um like details and also not just intellectualize or talk about it that we're all like from the same or the same but actually start feeling it and um being part of everything and um it's like for me like if if we talk about becoming more conscious it's seeing more of what there is and getting more objective from one's own subjective classes um like kind of like moving out of the vehicle mind body into um, a higher perspective like becoming the observer of this experience here but also become like being more aware that in a way it's an experience yeah? it, it's like we are not this vehicle we're the driver uh, having experience to it does that doesn't make sense to you it does make sense. So I'm also curious because you mentioned consciousness is that we're actually all one. So we're not separate. We're all connected. David, were there any moments in your life where you especially felt that? I've had uh, one incident a couple months ago where I was daydreaming. I mean, I was awake. I was here and I had a uh, Pictures came in my mind all of a sudden, and they were from kids around the world, and that that was quite impactful. It was um, but that was really the only one. Other than, other than that, I you know I hear very 
um, spiritual human beings speak about it and I try and I ask questions as much as I can. And I, you know, there's so many people independently speaking of it that I'm sure there's truth to it. So I'm trying to find it. But then again, it's the same. It's a process. And it's, um, yeah, the, the more you look for it, the more likely, I guess, I'll hopefully I'll be to, you know, come in those experiences and, and really find what I'm looking for. Karen, would you like to add something about consciousness? Well, we all have it, we hope. Um, otherwise, it's just a dream. Um, yeah, consciousness is something that we are on. We're all connected, but you can feel, if, if you ask David, you know, have you ever felt, you know, that consciousness, that connectivity? We all feel it every day because we're all looking for something that we've, some fundamentally feel that we've lost. We're all trying to find that. And often we try to find it in the arms of somebody else that can make us feel better um, about that feeling of loss and feeling of there's some part of us that we're trying to rediscover. And that part of us we're trying to rediscover is our, our higher levels of consciousness that are connected to a universal field. And the more we are presented with who we think we are, i.e. society tells us to be a certain person within society, educationally and employmentally, then you start to become that identity and you forget who you really are and that connectivity. And really, it's, it's a rediscovery of that. It's having to think your way out of the maze that has been adopted by your mind to think you are the mind and the body, but you're not, and you think you are the identity. So consciousness is a kind of a, a ladder to climb, which doesn't really have an end to it. It's almost like the first position is going, you know, with David, Simon, spending years in the bank, thinking in a certain way. So it's really sort of like thinking their way out of all those thoughts that have been established. And there are, many of them are obviously unconscious and trying to get back to the original core and then start to develop in the way that they should to connect with this flow state that David is talking about, which lots of spiritual people will mention. They'll mention that they don't have to really think and they're downloading all the time and uploading to the greater consciousness, the collective mind. And really, that's what we're all, you know, once you get that feeling of joy and fulfillment and peace, then you're starting to feel that nothing is worth being afraid of. Nothing is really important. Uh, the financial implications tend to go away. Um, the sort of self-love need tends to be just there. You, you know, it just, you don't have to worry about anything anymore. And that's what really consciousness is all about. So we're really trying to find what we've lost is, is the answer to it. And that's the path to consciousness. Let, let me add something here for consciousness, because as you say, like how we've lost it and trying to find it. Okay. So look, if you, we've been saying that toxic stress yeah, and fear, these basically create, not basically, they do create that famous flight, freeze, or uh what is it? Flee or flight? Uh, fight. Freeze or fight responses, right? So here's the thing. If you have an animal that is chasing you, all like human beings and animals, they're capable of um, generating this stress reaction, okay? With the, you know, more blood pumps into the muscles, more into your senses. So that's okay. But now imagine you're backed against a cave and that like a wild animal is waiting outside that cave for you. So what happens is if you can't go out and you're in prolonged times of stress, what happens is that your, your body, your brain will focus on the five senses that you have because this is, these are the ones how you can decode body in that dangerous moment. So if you have that over time 
and imagine somebody else comes into your like you're gonna feel probably not very spiritual to that person but very you know oh there's another person i can hug it we can be together we can you know it's very primitive in a sense so if you're stuck in that cave for a long time and i repeat this can look objectively that I mean, maybe there's only like a freaking mouse outside of the cave but if that person is so scared of mouth mice then that's big for that person so if you say take a, a person in daily life that is doing daily checklists and you know from the outside it's like oh just relax you know do it tomorrow why don't you even do checklists but that person for her or him it's so real to check these marks every day and there's so much stress created because of that that they're they're starting to decode reality only with the five senses and so they only they focus on their eyes what they can touch and so all the spirituality all that like you know that last room we said we have the mind we have the body and we have the spirit to go into a room where it's 360 degrees and holistic that is completely missing so when you like come out, you don't you don't think about like being connected with, because it doesn't matter in that moment. And that's really what's going on with that golden cage. We're so in in fear that we have to achieve and do this, 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 and it's so real to us that we start to create these symptoms and we become like we literally only see it with those five senses and we become materialistic. So, and really that's where the consciousness, we had it, but it's gone because of the environment. And that's where, you know, we, it's very powerful when you, when you can see that and start to work on it. You mentioned the golden cage and Kern mentioned that there's a maze and we have to find our way out of it. So uh, what's the best way how we can start making our way out of the maze? Wow, I think there's so many possibilities. You know, that's a beautiful thing. The journey, it, there is no best way. It's where you are. Like, I, curiosity helps. And if you if you can, you know, put your ego on a lower, um, how do you say, like emergency level. Don't have it like here, defend everything. But like, put it down and start to learn more about what, what you know, other people know and, you know, that you haven't heard of. It will start to come automatically. but. I mean, that's for me, it's curiosity and, and the ego. And Simon, how was it for you? I would say the first step is to accept and realize that, you're, that you don't know really a lot, that you're pretty ignorant. And that's, um, that's not necessarily a pleasant <laughs> realization <laughs> at first. <laughs> because like, ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I thought I knew. Mm, okay. Not so cool, but then, but then also, like if if you acknowledge to yourself that you don't really know a lot, it leaves so much room to expand. Yeah, and and also, um, like one of one of the really nice examples to to make it a bit more um, visual, uh, visual or better to understand. You no, know, like um, like if you imagine that with your five senses, you like decode, read a proportion of what is out there in terms of electromagnetic frequencies. It's not even 1% of frequencies we have access to with our five senses, not with our eyes. We see part of the light spectrum with our ears. We hear sound waves, but if you then look at other animals, they have access to other um, frequency bandwidth. So just just saying, like we know very, very little of, of, like, of what there is, but then we run around and think we know and the, the first step is to realize, like, or was for me to realize that I thought I know, but I don't really know. 
and that was a tricky situation but then also it's, it's kind of like cool hmm, okay let me explore but then also like really important is to understand that everything you ever received in terms of information um basically also the belief systems you absorb the conditioning um like you kind of like you absorb throughout your life in a passive state like most of us it comes from another human like doesn't matter if it's from government if it's media if it's religion if it's family and there's always humans involved they have equal access as you to information out there but then each of us and you can you can just look at how you communicate with other people or how you communicated in the past or how people come, like for example at my work situation each of us filters information in a way which like serves the purpose yeah? and that it's that, that might be conscious but also unconscious and like just looking back at my work situation um i was like everybody optimized a little bit for his own position so information was shared but not necessarily all information and uh, so you end up in a situation just saying first of all you don't know really a lot but then also like you must realize that the information you received might not necessarily benefit you uh, and and that uh, this realization is pretty profound but because the implication then is that um, the only one who should define what like is in your operating system your belief system which creates your reality like your beliefs create your thoughts your emotions your decisions your actions your results your reality meaning that wherever you are in life the reality you're experiencing is dependent on what you believe and um, and going back accepting okay i don't know a lot the information i receive might not necessarily be in my best interest and it's on me to look at what i believe and then also define a belief system we call it philosophical belief system which serves my purpose which creates the reality i want and uh, which explains what i can witness which is progressive which is fun which is uh, coherent and and that's really what what uh, what we do is about to to guide people like i went through it david went through it with they uh, with, with kern um, guide people to a place where they where they see what they believe and it's it's not so straightforward because each of us has a defense mechanism which um, protects what we believe or it called the shadow self so kind of um, the guide helps you pull it away so that you can see what you believe and you might argue in favor of your existing belief system even it might not be helpful <laughs> to your purpose but that's how the, the defensive mechanism works. It was like really like having a guide who holds you the mirror, pulls this belief, uh, this protection away so that you can see what you believe and then start defining your own progressive philosophical belief system. And that's, and, and, and that is at a core level. I think Kern um, talked before a little bit about um, the different identities kind of um, this projected shell identity we most of us run around with kind of the, the result of all these layers of conditioning and absorbed beliefs you know we end up with an identity like where we don't grasp anymore that we are co that, that we are connected like 
we relate to, okay, I'm 36 year olds. I can do this. I cannot do this. I, I'm an ex-banker, but that's just an illusion. And um, going through this process, it's about like realizing that this is a freaking illusion and getting to, to, to your core authentic identity and building your belief system on, on, uh, based on your potential and not on your transient identity, which can change from moment to moment. And if you, mark, if you, if you make that move, like if you, if you start cutting the ties with this made-up illusion, which is, uh, to be fair, uh, it was quite, <laughs> quite a tricky phase because the process then is to question everything you think and to start analyzing your thoughts and, like, and ask, why do I have this belief? Where does it come from? Whom does it serve? And we call it why behind the why. And once you look at your thoughts and you dig deeper, at the end, you, you start to discover what you believe. And once you see what you believe, then you can set the attention like, do I want to have this in my belief system or not? And if you don't, uh, define a belief system which serves you. And uh, one example that was one of the first when I started this process was before Christmas. So we were preparing Christmas cookies for my mother and my family. And I said, we need to hurry. We have no time. Yeah. And then Brenda, my wife, said, okay, why do you say this, Simon? And I was like, mm, uh, and, and then it's like, and you don't want to think about this in the moment. Yeah. And you think, yeah, I just say this. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it doesn't mean anything, but, but, uh, and that's, um, that's the thing. Everything we say is a reflection of what we believe, what we believe in that case. Like if you, like if I was then okay, well, like, why do I say it? Why did I say this? And then at some, at some point you realize that the underlying belief is I need to produce something to be worthy and I have no time. And that's basically that was in my operating system, and that ref, like that shines through my life into my reality. And then it's on me. Okay, hmm, maybe that's not so cool. Maybe I don't want to have this in my system. And this is really this is really what this process is about. Too. Yeah, beautiful. So if you want to find out more about how you can change your beliefs, then make sure to check out the councilforhumandevelopment.org and please share this podcast with your friends on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter with the hashtag Council for Human Development.